Hi, and welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share His heart with others. Are you ready to learn more about Him? Let's dive into this week's message. All right, church. Y'all ready to jump into it, my friends? Hey, we, uh, we're in our last week. You heard Emily. She said our last week of disorder. Um, and so week number six, this whole series we've been talking about the war that wages within our mind, the things that go on within. And uh, what a crazy series this has been, and what a way to wrap up the year of demolishing strongholds by covering these great strongholds that have held us down for way too long. We talked about anger, jealousy, bitterness. Last week we talked about confusion, that whenever we co-mingle with the enemy in his ways, that there is disorder and there is confusion in our life. And today... Today we're going to be talking about lust. I believe some of us said, I ain't coming. We heard it last week. Yeah, he wants you here, so you're here. That's right. I ain't going to be here. Okay. <laughs> um, it's so funny when you say that word lust, everyone like, <gasps> gets a little uncomfy in here. That's cool. I'm cool with uncomfortable. We're going to jump into it. Disorder, what has this series been all about? Disorder in, in our definition, and there's many uh, 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 psychological terms, and when you go to therapists and psychiatrists and all these types of things, there are so many different things that we face, depression, anger, all of these things, bipolar, everything that we can, we can talk about, but I was like, man, I think that there's something deeper. Someone say deeper. So we can talk about anxiety, but I think that surface, I want to talk about what really goes on within. And what I really, uh, in, in preparation for all of this, if I had to define disorder for the church, it is a mind that is out of alignment with his word. A mind that doesn't think according to this book that's perfect right here. A mind that has lost control and has worldly thoughts just going crazy. And so what we have to do and it is our responsibility is we have to take captive. Someone say take captive. We are actively participating in this experience, actively participating in this growth process to see our mind renewed. Go ahead and put this up here. 2 Corinthians says it like this, 10 verse 5. We are destroying arguments and every and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought. Someone say every thought. Every thought, Nick. Every thought. Every, every thought, every one of them, every thought, we're taking it captive. That's impossible, Nick. Every thought, every thought, and making it obedient to Christ. That anger, every thought. The jealousy, every thought. The bitterness, every thought. Confusion, every thought. Even lust, yes, every thought every thought and this isn't just an accident I, I believe that the church needs to start fighting this we need to combat these thoughts church go ahead you can put this up here we need to combat the worldly thoughts as our mind begins to change in a heavenly way this is not just going to instantly happen it doesn't just turn around in a moment and say yay I'm all happy no it actually is a fight to get to that place it's a fight to see joy peace and love within your mind you have to combat it my friends is that making sense to y'all? We have to combat it. And in fact, the word tells us what we ought to think about. 
the things that might be unnatural for us to focus on. Finally, brothers and sisters, if you're a part of the way, if you're a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, he's talking to you and to me. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there's anything, any excellence, anything worthy of praise. Someone say worthy of praise. I can't wait till next year. Oh, my gosh. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These are unnatural to us. The grumbling, the complaining, the anger, the bitterness, the lust, these things are easy for our mind to fixate on day in and day out. It's these things that Paul writes to us that we have to train our mind to think about. We have to fight for this. I say this every week. This isn't a toxic positivity message. It's not about just being happy all the time. That's not what this is about. You can't just positivity your way into healing and wholeness. You can't do that. But I will tell you that this is just what happens if you're a believer in the way, the truth, and the life. That your mind just naturally begins to change. What you used to fixate on changes so drastically. Look at this. This is Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. You can put this up here. I love this. It says, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, we got any believers in the house. If you've been raised, if you've been raised with Christ, then this is you. It has to be you. If you've been raised with Christ, go ahead. Well, let's see it. Let's see it. Uh, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set You set your minds. You set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So if you've been raised, you participate in this process. You set your mind. You choose to fix your thoughts on those Philippian scriptures. You choose to do this. We got to do it. It's a fight to do it. And why is this so important? (laughs) Excuse me. I believe that there's a great danger. Someone say, "Uh uh-oh. There's a great danger if you don't do this. There is a severe danger if you do not fight this fight, if you avoid the battle within your mind, if you sit here and you're okay with the anger that persists, if you're okay with the unforgiveness residing within, if you sit here and avoid this fight, you will find yourself hostile towards God. Don't take my word for it, take his word for it. Romans chapter 8 says it like this, for those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. In other words, if you're in alignment, what's disorder? A mind that is out of alignment with God's word. If you are in alignment with the flesh, linked with the flesh, if you are operating in that direction, your thoughts will be flesh-like. But those who are in accord or in alignment with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on flesh is what, church? Death. This is a serious topic, is it not? This is a big deal today. I pray that everyone is tuning in in a supernatural way. I pray that revelation from heaven would strike every heart in this place. Because I don't want one person who's hearing my voice today to allow this death to persist. But the mindset on spirit is life and peace. Anyone want that? Yeah, then we got to change. We got to change. We got we to gotta do this today. 
because the mind set on flesh is hostile towards God and it does not subject itself to the law of God. In other words, if you're led by anger, lust, greed, jealousy, if you're led by these things, you will refuse to do what he tells you to do. Let me give you a simple example. If you're led by greed, why would you ever give generously to those who are hurting when God tells you to give? And in fact, he makes you abundant in every occasion so that you can be generous and equipped for every good work. But you won't submit to that, and you won't subject yourself to God's commands because your mind is hostile towards God. Is everyone getting that picture today? You will refuse to do what he tells you to do if your mind is hostile. It's not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a warning. That's a warning. Please take today seriously as we jump into a heavy topic. If the worldly thoughts persist, we will find our mind is hostile, not heavenly. That's the truth. You'll find that your mind is hostile, not heavenly. I've been in and out of seasons where I've allowed my mind to wander off and embrace these different ways of thinking, feeling, and led by worldly thoughts. And it always puts me in a place where I don't want to be at all. And so we have this challenge to not be conformed to the world. I love this. Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is an active verb. That means that it is happening now. It's not the renewed mind. It is the actively renewing mind. So yes, that anger is going to start to go away. Yes, the jealousy. Yes, the lust. All of these types of things are being renewed. It is an active verb. Amen, church? And so that you may prove what the will of God is. Isn't that what we all want? We want to do what God wants us to do, don't we? We at least trust him enough to know that what he has planned for us is actually good for us, right? So I want to do what he has for me. Then get this right. Get this mind process right. For if we do it, we'll be able to prove what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Yeah. The question that we had for the whole series, and, and, and it's quite simple, but do the thoughts within my mind... Withhold me from living out God's will for my life. His will for my life. Are the thoughts that are waging war within here, the thoughts that I can't get a hold of, the thoughts that just keep running rampant every day, are they withholding me from living out what He wants for me? So I told you from the beginning of this message, we're going to be talking about lust. I can't wait to teach you a little bit about some, some stuff today. I, I want to encourage you guys to take notes because I think that this is a topic that is severely uncomfortable for the church but runs rampant throughout the entire church. So we got to talk about it. And I'm okay with having some hard conversations. Lust. Uh, I want to communicate it like this. Here's what happens if lust is within the mind. It will steal the desire for Christ within your heart. Plain and simple. If lust is within the mind and it persists, it robs you of any desire for God. <laughs> it is, I would say, virtually impossible to desire or lust and in the same breath desire Him. So we're going to talk about that because, again, I think that we all have this. And I pray that today you get some revelation and some understanding about where lust comes from and what it really is. So let's ask the obvious first question. Y'all ready, church? Let's get uncomfortable. When you think of lust, what do you think of? 
Hey, you want? Yeah, it's true. Thanks, Mom. That's where we go. We immediately think of sexual immorality. Even at the outset of this message, um, you might even just be feeling convicted already. Because usually this, um, this stuff happens in a really dark and secret place. We don't let people in a lot, especially on this area. It's crazy what God designed to bring life and to give joy has become so perverted and so full of shame. And I think it's because of things like lust that take it out of its original intent that makes it really ugly. And every heart knows it, and that's why we don't want to talk about it. So you're right. What is, what is the first thing you think of? We go to sexual immorality, and we literally see, and I believe that every heart just inherently knows this. This is why if... Um, if you were at a young age, you already have this awareness that intimacy and sexuality is a very private thing and it's meant to be a certain way. We have this understanding. That's why this is just like written on our hearts. We understand this. Flee from sexual immorality. We, we just kind of naturally feel that. Am I crazy? We know that it shouldn't be perverted, but we do. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin uh, a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexual immoral person, sexually immoral person, sins against his own body. There's a lot of implication that we could talk about. There's a lot of theology to go through on that part. Um, to be honest, I asked that first question because I wanted to address the fact that lust is way more than sexual immorality. It really is. And perhaps we associate it with sexual immorality because lust in its deepest core, what we honestly yearn for, what we honestly want, what we desperately want more than anything else is intimacy. We want closeness. That was our design, was it not? Genesis chapter 1, we were walking with God. We were close to Him. Perfect relationship, Adam and Eve transparent before one another bonded having a job and a mission close they were walking with God how beautiful isn't that what every heart wants we we were manipulated and we what was taken from us was that closeness it was our choice I think if and, and this is really interesting if you've ever studied like the hierarchy of needs do you remember that in high school um, yes you need food water shelter but at the highest peak of hierarchy of needs is love and connection. It's what every heart wants. I say this all the time. I could live with Emmy in a box. It's cool. As long as I got Emmy, spicy and all, I'm cool. I, I don't really... Um, my son, what he wants to do later on in life and what he wants to be when he grows up, it doesn't matter. I just want to be close to him. My church family, why do you think we do something pretty much every other day of the week? Because I want to be close to you guys. I just, I think we need connection. And, and so this is why lust, when we associate it so often with sexual immorality, is because I think the greatest desire that we have is connection. I want everything to be at peace. I want to be with people. I want that connection. 
And so it goes beyond intimacy. I actually, if you study what lust is and if you understand the Greek, you will find that lust, we can have lust towards anything in the world. Anything we can lust after. In other words, desire. Someone say desire. That's what lust really is. It's a, an earnest longing for and a desire. Please put this up here. Go ahead. You can put this up. I believe this is in Tim, uh, 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. It says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What he's talking about is the combating desire that you have to love things of this world or to love your Savior. To choose to love your wealth and finances over the one who gave it to you in the first place. To choose to love this computer screen that you think that you can click a love button over the one who can truly satisfy your heart. To choose to love a substance that makes you forget and stop feeling what you're really feeling when you have a Savior who's really willing to restore everything that's going on inside. So what he's saying is you have a desire for the world and if you desire the world above me, you won't desire me. You won't do it. For the, all that is in this world, go ahead, go ahead. For all that's in this world, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up. Go back one, yep. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the desire, someone say desire. The desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, it is not from the Father but from the world. The world is passing away and also it's desires, it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Those who love me will obey my commands. If you desire him above all else, you will obey him out of a love for him. That's where this is coming in. So I want to just give you the Greek word real quick. Epithemia. Epithemia. That's what the word is. Epithemia. Epithemia. And it's very simple. We just talked about it. It's a deep desire or to long for something. In actuality, you will actually find this same word, epitomia, uh, you'll find it uh, when Paul is writing and he says, church, I long to be with you, but I have to be here now. And so this isn't just bad, it's not just a bad word. All it implies is a deep, earnest desire and a longing for something, a desperation for something. I love that word. A des I'm desperate. I am hungry for. I need this above all else. That's lust. Epithemia. A longing or an earnest, deep desire for something. So when we understand that lust is more than just sexual immorality, we start to see scriptures a little bit differently, don't we? Look at this. We can put this Galatians 5. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the epithemia of the flesh. You will not carry out the longings or the desires of the flesh any longer. That could be anything. The desires of the flesh could be anything. You won't carry it out anymore. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Nope, not yet. Please put that back up there. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. Whatever you want, because here's what's crazy. What I want pretty much always leaves me broken. What I want, what I would want to do is I just want to sit on my couch, be a lazy dude, do nothing, and have everything taken care of for me. 
would want no worries, no hardships. Check out. I would want, if I'm led by myself, according to what I want, I would be the most selfish person in the world. Am I the only one? And so what, what's crazy about following Jesus is that um, you don't really get to do what you want anymore. It's what he wants. And you will find that that's the best thing for your life. So you actually want to do what he wants you to do. But you see this, the flesh desires epithemia and the spirit, they're in constant, contra or, or, or constant opposition. Our flesh desires and spiritual desires, they will always be in conflict. Go ahead, put this up there. They will always, always be in conflict. So the lust of life, what you want out of life, the money, the fame, the fortune, the material things, the intimacy, the, the screen, the bottle, whatever addiction you're holding on to. Hey, even food. Whatever it is that you desire most, it will be in conflict. It will be in conflict. And I wrote, I wrote this down, and I want to speak this to you, is that whatever greater desire at that moment that you have, there's going to be a moment when you're empty. Someone say empty. There's going to be a moment where you're broken, and there's going to be a moment where hmm, you need it's at that moment that you have a choice. And whatever you desire more, Christ or the lust of the flesh, whichever one happens to be greater, at that moment is the one that will trump the other one. So I think the church has a desire problem. There's a desire problem. That God might not be in moments, if we're honest with ourselves, might not be number one. And I, I just want to show you where that goes. James 1 says it like this. But each one, when it's tempted by your lust, so whenever you allow that desire to persist and you allow it to ruminate, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, I've been set free from pornography for like 10 years. It's amazing. But I, I remember what it's like. And of course, I feel those urges still. But if I'm not careful and I allow that desire to ruminate and to fixate on that, I find myself more susceptible. I find my eyes wandering. I need to get it in alignment with God's word. So when you're tempted and carried away and enticed by your own lust, your own desires, whatever that may be, your struggle is different than mine. What your heart genuinely desires is different than mine. What your passions and what you long for is different than mine. But when you're enticed by your own lust, this lust, it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's run its course, brings forth death. Didn't we just talk about that earlier? Romans chapter 8, the mind against God is death. Do we see a correlation here, my friends? 
So this lust is a serious thing that we need to talk about. When acted on, and I, and I want to speak about it for a second. When acted on, lust spreads wide into every area of our mind. Let me give you an example. So it begins with something small. I want blank. And then all of a sudden, you see every area of your life, you lack contentedness, and you are looking for anything to solve your problem, things that you didn't even know that you were interested in before, things that you didn't even know you wanted before, things that are out of your character, you're doing because you're allowing lust to spread wide. And I also love that analogy because lust can start out small and then spiral. Can I give an honest, an honest circumstance? <sighs> Cheating within marriage, it doesn't just happen immediately. It's the little steps that grow, 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 grow and get there. The little desires that are unchecked, not put in its proper place that grows. Then you reach out to someone. Then you text someone at work and you say, oh my gosh, I did have a rough day. Well, tell me about your rough day. And they speak to you in a way that maybe you're not receiving. And this lust keeps growing and this desire keeps growing, 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 growing. All into the place where you find yourself in a situation you feel like you can't turn back from. But you want it, but you can't, but you want it, but you can't. And then shame. Boom brings forth death. It spreads wide. And I would venture to say during that season you had lust for many other things as well. Because it spreads to every area of your life. It starts as a little seed and grows tall and wide. And there's grave consequence. As it said, it leads to death, brings forth death. So, that's, that's the power of it. And uh, I think we all need to get it under control. And I think we all need to bring these thoughts to God and allow Him to sort these things and start changing our mind. Amen, church? We need to allow Him to start changing it. Before we can change it, I want to ask you guys, and I want you to consider this within, where does the lust come from? Where does it come from? And I wrote, I, I found that my lust... And what I've gone through in my life, it comes from a place of lack. What that means is when I am empty, I turn to anything that can fulfill me. Y'all tracking with me, church? When I am empty in here, when I am missing something, when I yearn for something or long for something and I don't know where to place it at, I need to find something right now. And the hard thing about Jesus is he's not right here right now sitting in that chair or else I would just hold his hand all day. So the challenge for you and for me is when we are empty, where are you going? When you do feel that emptiness, because I will tell you, it comes. Of course it's there. You might feel it daily. And in fact, I almost can guarantee you that you'll feel it daily. We live in a broken world. We have broken hearts. We have baggage. We have trauma. All of these things that we've dealt with our whole life. So of course there's going to be emptiness inside of us. Some of us have never had a father raise us up. You think, you think that don't have an impact on your life? Some of us were exposed to things way too young. Some of us saw things we shouldn't have. Some of us might have even been taken advantage of. All of these things 
There might be emptiness within you. No, not might. There is. And so let's, let's just acknowledge that I might have an empty place in me. I know I'm supposed to be a man and I'm supposed to have this hard exterior and I'm not supposed to have any problems. Yeah, I'm pretty broken. If I'm being honest with you, I'm a broken person. We have a choice where to go every time we feel that void in our heart. You know that? Can I share it with you? So, uh, I get here every Sunday, and it's like pour myself out time. I go 110%, and then I get home and I crash. Anyone got Sunday naps? You know what I'm talking about. But this is like, uh, <laughs> I, I tell Emmy, this is my hour and a half. I need to do it 100%. So we were moving the past few months, and a lot of stuff that I'm not super familiar with. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. How to run a building. I mean, this is a campus. Look, this is a beautiful place. There's a lot that went into this. A lot of details, a lot of talking, a lot of deals uh, that needed to be done and signing papers and navigating everything so that our church can step into the best direction that it can. And you know what happened to me, church? I got really stressed. I got really stressed not sleeping like I should and if I'm to be honest with you I'm my where I go when I'm empty I go to food anyone else I go to food I do I get so embarrassed by this but that is the desire that I turn to that's the longing place that I go to so I was really embarrassed I was talking with Judd about my message yesterday. I don't know why I was, like, really emotional about it. But um, when I get stressed, I do things I know I shouldn't do. I, I've been trying to eat healthy. I've been trying to get my body right. I don't feel like I'm physically 100% well. I, I feel like I'm eating okay. And then I got into this stressful season. Things got stirred up. I felt empty. You know what I did? I did something really embarrassing. Can I just tell you all? I'm embarrassed. This is, like, this is like ugh, to me. I, um... extra amount of just terrible food and the most embarrassing part is I would put Chick-fil-A sauce. I, I know it's like I know it's like this little thing. I know I'm like being silly but I just want you to know what this does to my spirit is really heavy. I had mac and cheese with Chick-fil-A sauce on it. Those don't go together. No, no, let's, let's be really honest. That's a weird combo. That's Nick Miller eating a whole bag of pretzels shoving every bit of mess on my plate so that I can cover and bury my feelings. So I can feel good for maybe a moment so that I feel like I can control at least what's happening for a day. You laugh. It's like the heaviest burden for me. It's really shameful. Every bite I take, I... You should hear my thoughts. I speak so poorly of myself as I engorge in something I know I shouldn't be eating. It's really ugly what goes on inside when you submit to your lusts. I know it shouldn't be happening, but I do it, and I'm embarrassed every bite in front of my son. 
That's my place of refuge that I turn to. I've come so far and it can be compromised like that. So, so every time we feel that void in our hearts, we have a choice on where to go. And in a moment of weakness, I chose to go to a place I know I shouldn't. And again, you can make fun of me. I know. I know it's really silly. I know it's really silly. Thank you. But it's, um, it's where I go. It's where I go and I'm extremely embarrassed and ashamed. So where do you go? We all do it. Where do you go? Computer screen, gossip. Do you bury yourself in work? Call yourself a workaholic, driving yourself to the bone just so you don't have to think about what really concerns your heart? Where do you go? Money, wealth. Do you go spend beyond your means, put yourself further and further into debt? What do you do? What do you do? Do you jump from relationship to relationship to relationship looking for those butterflies that are actually a sign of anxiety and not true connection? What do you think? What do you do? Where do you go? Go to social media so that way someone likes a picture so you feel good about yourself. Where do you go? Am I the only one? So I just want to show you scripture of where we should go. Psalm 73 says it like this. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And with you I desire nothing on earth. Come on now. I des- with you I desire nothing on earth. My heart, my flesh and heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Someone say portion. Take that mac and cheese with Chick-fil-A sauce. I can make light of it too. I can cry and then make light of it. Have you felt this though? Because my heart and my flesh fail and I need to remember that he's my strength and my portion. I love this. This is Psalm 42. This is actually a song. He writes, as the deer pants for water brooks. In other words, is thirsty for running water. So my soul thirsts for you. God, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Are you empty? And have you gone to the same place over and over? So then my my question to you is, have you forgotten how good he really is? No, seriously, consider that. Have you forgotten how good he really is? Sometimes I wonder, like, we're in church, and, and, and I know not everyone needs to be jazz hands Nick Miller, but I'll tell you what, if you caught a glimpse of God, we would be going crazy in this place. And we come in and just coast coffee in hand and just kind of sit through a message, and are y'all, are y'all catching this? Do you forget how good he really is? And why would we turn anywhere else? So then I'm reminded, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there eating this garbage for my life. And I remember the great experiences that I've had with him. This is why I, I know it's to play further on the analogy, but have you tasted and seen how good he is? And if only you would remember how great he is, you wouldn't turn to those things that you so easily go to. 
have a desire and a remembering problem, and we want, here's what it is, we want that Jesus high all the time, and when it's not there, we feel like he's gone, and then we slip and fall. But if you desire him, even when you don't feel it, it changes. Why would you turn anywhere else? You know what I'm talking about. That moment that you got baptized, that feeling that flooded you. That moment that you prayed and, and there was revelation or that moment that you prayed and there was great breakthrough. Does anyone know that moment that I'm talking about where you tasted and saw the goodness of God? Where you felt him, where you experienced him. That moment where revelation from heaven struck you. That moment where you were guided into the right place. That moment where you might have, and this was a big one for me, where I flipped my car and I woke up standing up and I said, God saved me. Do you remember those moments? how good he really is, then why do I go to this plate? Why do I go here? It says this in Psalm 37. This is David writing. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. It, it is a choice for you to say, I'm going to delight in him. I'm going to make him my greatest desire. I'm going to long for him. And when I do, my longing, my desire for him, when I do that, he will give you the desires of your heart. I believe that he'll change the desires and meet them. Amen, church? But have you forgotten? And can you delight yourself in him again? Final question for this portion. Where are you going when it's empty? Where are you going when it's empty? And that board, we have two more weeks of the year of demolishing strongholds. That board could be full today. I haven't had a Reese's since putting it up there. Where are you going? Where are you going when you're empty? I want to jump into it. John 4. We're going to cook through this. Y'all ready, church? Here we go. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to go ahead and get your Bibles out. If you got the word, go ahead and get it out so you can read it. Take it in for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go ahead. Look at his word above all things. In this account, we find a broken woman, a broken person just like you and me. She finds what her heart has been longing for, epithemia, what she has been longing for forever and ever. And so it begins like this. This is in verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This is an interesting circumstance. He's traveling to Jerusalem. He doesn't go around Samaria. If you've been in church long enough, you know that there's implication. They viewed Samaritans like dogs. These were defiled people, gross people. But Jesus says, no, we're going to walk through this gross town. And he sends them to go look for food. And meanwhile, he has this encounter with this woman here. He says to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to find food. I love this. This is the perfect moment for him to show us what satisfaction really is. Jesus is using water to speak to complete spiritual and physical satisfaction. Complete. Someone say complete. No, I'm being dead serious. Complete satisfaction. A heart that is fully, fully satisfied. Not needing to lean on anything else. Not needing to turn anywhere else to be full. It is completely satisfied. So the Samaritan woman said to him, uh, how is it you, though you're a Jew, are asking me for a drink, though I'm a Samaritan woman? Again, the implications are that Samaritans were dirty below them. They were viewed as dogs. 
And not only that, but this woman is at the well in an improper time. And she's there because she's probably ousted. She's on the outside looking in of the community of women who would go get water for their homes. She's an adulterer. She's one with a past and a history. Just like you and me. With a past and a history. So the good news, she says, I'm a, I'm a Samaritan. Don't you realize that? I'm scum. I'm a dog compared to you. Good news for you and for me, no matter who you are and where you come from, he wants to satisfy the heart within. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what your well is, no matter what you're turning to day in and day out, no matter how many times you've gone to it, no matter how long you've been here or not, he wants to satisfy you right here today. And I'm not talking about a little drink, I'm talking about full. Someone say full. Full. He wants to satisfy the heart within. And so he says to her, this is what he says, thank you God. He says, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that it is saying, or who it is is saying to you, give me a drink. If only you recognized right now who's talking. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Someone say living water. What? Living water. He would have given you living water. Caleb, he wants to give you living water. That's not just for this girl right here. Jarek, living water. Yeah. Lauren, living water. Casey, living water. Living water. Kate, living water. Living water. And this is not just for this woman here. And so... He says these words, living water, and if I were there, and I can imagine what it would have felt like, her ears perked up. What? Excuse me? Living water? He understands that desire. Someone say desire. Someone say desire. Y'all with me? He understands that desire and longing within the mind are potentially the greatest influences of her decisions. Isn't that true for all of us? Aren't we led by our desires? So he speaks to her, hey, I know, I know you thirsty. I'm going to speak to that desire right in here, right now. I pray today he's doing the same for you. He understands that we're led greatly by our desires. How we want to be full, living water. So she said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, uh, and the well is deep. Very logical. Good job, lady. Yay. Uh, where then are you going to get this living water? Uh, you are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle. You're not greater than him. Yeah, yeah, he is. Someone say he's greater. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. So she starts hearing about this living water. And when the heart, and, and this is what I'll, I'll say, your heart comes alive when you hear of satisfaction. Isn't that true? When you finally hear of satisfaction, when the heart finally hears of living water, the desire for it immediately follows. Please put that up there. When the heart finally hears of living water, the desire immediately follows. When you hear about this, what, I can be full? Are you telling me I can really be satisfied? Deep within, I can truly have that void, that emptiness be full? Yes, you can. It can happen today. heart starts to scream, whoa, 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 you greater than this? You can do this? 
Jesus answered to her, everyone who drinks, someone say this water. What water have you been drinking? Where have you been going? Over and over again. Where have you been going? Where have you been going over and over again? That's the water that you've been going to over and over. Aren't you done? Ask yourself this, church. Will you all say this with me? Say, am I done? Am I done? Am I done? Are you done? Are you finally done? That's what it needs to come down to is I'm finally, I'm, I think I'm just done with this well. And let me tell you something. Tomorrow you're going to want to go back to it. But you just got to make the decision that you're done with it. That's why even if you don't fully feel it and comprehend the consequence of the freedom that could be available to you, just put it up there anyways. Do you think she fully understood every detail about what Jesus was going to do in her life? No. Just, are you done? Are you done? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty thirsty. Do you remember that, that series that we had called Forgotten Promises? Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that. That's a promise right there. That everybody who drinks of that water will never be thirsty ever again. True, let me say this, let me say this. True satisfaction is a promise that the church often forgets. Have you forgotten that you could be truly, truly satisfied? Your lust comes from the lack within. I'm here to tell you today that we have forgotten that you can truly be full. And it's a promise. If Jesus says it, he will do it. Full. Completely full. So we can stop going back to that empty place. You can stop turning to that bottle, to the pills. You can stop going to the screen. You can stop going to the things that you lean on. Stop going to the money. Stop going to these things that leave you empty. Stop going to the ego. Stop going to the pride, to the Instagram likes. Stop going to that online shop where you put yourself thousands of dollars. In. You can stop going to those empty wells. And you can be full. For real. It's a promise. The woman then said to him, as we all would say. That's what's crazy about this message is we all know it, don't we? We all want the fullness. The woman said to him, sir, give me some of that water. I'll take that. So then, this is the hard part. Um, what's stopping you from that today? Because we can all recognize that it's living water. We can all recognize that for the first time in a long time, I can be full. Is it your pride? Is it your ego? Is it your desire that you want that thing more than you're willing to let go of? Are you afraid that if you let go of your stronghold, you might be empty and sad? Are you afraid that if you let this go, you might be lost? Which one do you want more, living water or that? Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw water. How eager. I pray that this would be your stance as well. How eager today the heart and the mind are to be full. This woman said, oh, you're offering satisfaction? I'll take all of it, please. And I pray that you're in these chairs saying, oh, Jesus can offer satisfaction. He can fill the emptiness with me. Someone say, I'll take all of it. 
I'll take all of it. Good. Then you got to put some things down, though. Get ready. But if you want all of it, she was full of longing. She didn't have a source. So Jesus said to her, uh, if you want it, uh, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered. She said, I have no husband. Okay. Jesus said to her, yeah, uh, you've correctly said that. Go ahead. You've correctly said that, and I have uh, no husband, for you've had five husbands, uh, and the one whom you uh, now have is not your husband. The one, this is what you've said. Uh, it is indeed true. It's true what you've said. So there's a part of the equation of fullness that the church and believers refuse to do. And that's to acknowledge the broken parts of it. To be honest. So we get here and we get the hype. Full, full, yeah, living water. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want it. Are you going to let the Holy Spirit address the broken part of you? Because you can do a fake full thing where you can pretend a happy face and you can feel like you're being nice and positive recently. Or you can be genuinely full, but at the cost of addressing what's really going on in here. And this is where people either run away or their lives are forever changed. You want an example? This is a moment where Jesus said a similar thing. He said, hey, if you want to follow me for the rest of your days, be full, full, rich, young ruler, give everything up. And the guy said, no, I'm not doing it. To this woman, he addressed the deepest part of you. Hey, you're clearly broken in this area, going from person to person. Will you let me fix that? She said, yeah. So this is the decision for you today. We can talk about the living water. We get really excited. We get really hyped. And we can talk about, oh my gosh, I could be full. Are you willing to allow him to do work on the inner heart? Because he can give you like a sip for a day and you can be on a spiritual high until Tuesday hits you. But I want the whole thing. Do you? good, then you're going to have to go through the whole thing. We want the whole thing, but we don't want to have to go through it. Well, if you want the whole thing, you got to go through it. Jesus didn't come to give you a counterfeit high for a moment. This is what churches, uh, um, this is what churches capitalize on. The hype, the Jesus high for a Sunday, Tuesday hits you in the face, and you forego every part of your belief system and indulge in every desire and longing that you have. That's not really full, just so you know. And in fact, I would venture to say that that leaves you more empty because you have the conviction and, and you actually are gratifying the flesh and pushing and shoving down your desire for the Holy Spirit. That is a harmful spiritual place. So in order for you to be full, he's going to need to address what's really going on. In order for living water to spring up. Will you let him address it? Good, this is going to be a pretty messy day then and maybe a messy week for you. And so you might be asking, Nick, before I let him address this deep problem within me, I want to guarantee. Don't you? Oh, if I'm going to open up and if I'm going to allow things to change, I, it better be good. It better be the question that you might be really asking, if you're true with, honest with yourself, is can he actually satisfy? Can he really do it? Ah, uh, we in our spiritual place and we in the church, who said yes? Did you say yes? 
when we get in church and we sit in a chair, we easily say yes. It's hard when you're on your own. It's hard when you're left to your desires. It's hard when you're empty. It's easy to link arms with believers and say, yeah, he can do it. Can he really satisfy? Can he really fill me? Fill what is empty within? That's what this girl talks about. He goes on to tell her that there will be worshipers, true worshipers of God on this mountain. And she goes and she says, um, I know that someone can really satisfy. Look, look at what she says. The woman said to him, I know that a Messiah, someone say Messiah. I know that the Savior is coming. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. It will be changed from that point on. I know that someone will rescue my soul. And Jesus says, I am. So you might like the idea of being full and then you have that reservation of can I truly be satisfied some will say I am he that's what Jesus says to you he actually is the living water I'm the one speaking to you right now I genuinely can satisfy you Jesus affirms that he is the source that every heart is longed for that's what he does. He says, look, you might have some questions, some reservations about, I am this guy that can truly satisfy your heart. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. No person, place, thing, object, <laughs> like on an Instagram, no amount of wealth. Nothing could ever satisfy you. I am he. He affirms it. Amen, church? So then his disciples come back, and we're going to wrap up in two minutes here. His disciples come back, and they were amazed. Go ahead, put this up here. They were amazed that he was speaking with this woman, and, and yet no one said, why, what, are you, what are you seeking, or, or why are you speaking with her? So the woman, she left her water pot. Y'all catch that? And went into the city. She left her source because she found the source she left it so my challenge to you today again if you want to make this real and if you want to be full that board is right over there somebody already jumped up I know it's scary I know you've been holding on to this stronghold forever I know that this place this well you have gone to day in and day out every time you are feeling empty and I know it's really scary is he really going to satisfy yes he will I promise you that he is the living water, if you would only just do it today and be done with it. And I'm not saying tomorrow isn't going to be difficult, but we got to at least start and put the water pot away. She left it. She was there for water and she left her water pot because she was full, was she not? And she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything, all things that I've done. This is uh, uh, not the Christ, is he? And uh, she's asking a rhetorical question. And she uh, basically invited people from all over the city to come see him. She was full. So she wants living water. Every heart wants living water. Then the question comes, can he truly satisfy? And yes, he could truly satisfy when you're willing to put that down. 
Jesus restores her by offering complete satisfaction forever. Her life is full. Anyone need that today? Yeah, I want the full. Even me, myself. I want it. So, then comes the challenge. We're going to wrap it up right here. Uh, please put this next point up. This is the scary part. Someone say, uh-oh. Please don't tune out. Church, this is the best part of this message right here. This is the most important part of this message. I've never really thought of it this way. And I felt so pressed by the Holy Spirit to tell you this this week. And to ask you this question. This is terrifying because honestly it's a question that I need to ask myself. When is the last time that you allowed yourself to be empty? That's weird. What I mean is when is the last time that you've allowed yourself to feel that brokenness? When's that last time that you've allowed yourself to actually unmask that broken part of you, the part within that's very empty and it's a void and it, it is the source of every struggle and burden that you have and it's what you want to fill all the time. When is the last time that you've allowed yourself to be empty? Because here's what lust and longing will do. It will cover up. If you think of my example, I long to cover up that brokenness inside of me. But if I would just allow myself to be empty, I might just allow Jesus to come fill it. So this is the most terrifying part. If you could just allow yourself to be empty, you might just rely on Jesus to fill it. It's going to be really hard to allow him to fill you up when you're trying to fill yourself up. So when's the last time you poured it all out? When is the last time that you gave of it all? When is the last? It's kind of, I was talking with Chad yesterday. It's kind of like a, this is a weird concept. It's almost a, a, a form of allowing a structured way of allowing rock bottom to hit because what your lusts and desires are going to cushion is the fact that you are broken and it won't let you get to that place where you've come to the end of yourself and there's nothing else for you to rely on other than Jesus Christ himself. Are y'all tracking with me today? When is the last time you've allowed yourself to be empty? With your stronghold with your desire, with what you long for, when is the last time you desire or allowed yourself to be empty in that area? Nick, I long for relationship after relationship after relationship. I just need a companion, someone to tell me that I'm okay. God has said that you're more than okay. When's the last time you've allowed yourself to be empty? And I know it's really scary living alone, but what if you did that for a season as compared to settling for a relationship that's not it? And you know it's not it. Giving is a form of emptying yourself before God so that you can rely on Him. Fasting is a form of emptying yourself before God so that you can rely on Him. Do you see that this is a practice that we can actually do? So whatever it is that you fill yourself up with, 
Are you willing to let yourself to be empty so that you can rely on him? Look at what it says. I'm, ra- I'm wrapping up with this Psalm of David. Look at it. It says here. Go ahead. You can put this up. I believe this is Psalm 63. And uh, this is David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. God, you are my God. I shall be watching for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and exhausted land when there is no water. Someone say no water. He was empty. Have you allowed yourself to be empty for even a day? I remember my addiction to pornography. I couldn't allow myself to be empty for like 37 minutes. Have you allowed yourself to be empty so that you might, you might just have the space to rely on him completely? So I have seen you in your sanctuary to see your power and glory because your favor is better than life. This is what happens. This is what you feel when you're empty. You rely on him with everything you've got. So I don't know what you've been holding on to. I don't even know if you have a physical representation of that today. But go put it up on that wall. Allow yourself to be empty so that Jesus can fill you up. Amen, church. I promise you, he will satisfy every portion of your heart and mind. I promise. He said it to that woman. He'll do it again. He'll satisfy. And he will become your greatest desire. It's time to starve the flesh, to push those, the longing and the desire, to stop following that. It leads to death. And what it ultimately does, the lust within our mind, it steals and it robs the desire of God in our heart. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope you were able to draw closer to Him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of His Word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.